So last week, uh, if you were here, we were reading from Luke chapter 14, and we were reading the, uh, the occasion where Jesus was invited to the home of a prominent Pharisee for, uh, uh, to celebrate the Sabbath. He was supposedly there as an honored guest, but as the evening went along, what became very apparent was that he was essentially on trial. He was being carefully watched by everyone there. Uh, they were hoping that he might do something wrong that would justify their contempt, their judgment of him. In fact, they even went so far as they brought in a sick man to this occasion, not out of a, cur uh, a concern for the sick man, but to be used as a, um, a test, a trial, to see what would Jesus do. Will he heal this person on the Sabbath? And uh, of course he did. And, and I was thinking about that as, as really a, a frightening commentary on how far we will go sometimes to justify our anger or our contempt or our judgment of a person or a, a group of people out of a desire to prove that Jesus was a bad guy, an unholy guy, an un unrighteous guy. These religious leaders were completely blind to their own hypocrisy. They sank to the lowest level of using a sick man as a pawn in their own game that they're playing. Now, Jesus, of course, healed the man because that's what Jesus does. He healed the man unconcerned that he was going to be judged as a result. It was the right thing to do. And then over the course of the evening, what Jesus did is he actually turned the tables and began to critique everyone else that was there. They brought Jesus to critique him. He turned the tables on them. To the guest, he said, humble yourselves. He had been watching how they were jockeying for position, how they were trying to get to the head of the table, and he said, stop. Stop trying to jockey with one another for honor and prestige and position. Humble yourselves and God will exalt you. And then to the host, to the Pharisee, he said, when you host a luncheon or a dinner like this, instead of just inviting your peers and all of the elite, the religious elite, the social elite, invite the poor. Invite the less fortunate. And Jesus said, you'll be blessed if you do this. So I have no doubt that Jesus had ruffled some feathers. He had stepped on some toes. And if we were at that meal, I think we, you could just feel the tension. And so there was a guest there who, who's feeling the tension. And he says something, I think, uh, just to try and ease the tension. Change the subject. Let the air out of the room. This guest was the the Enneagram 9 in the room. He was the peacemaker. He was the one who, who didn't like conflict. I, I know him well. Uh, so we're going to jump back into the passage at that point where, where this guest says something to change the subject, and, and we're going to continue on from there. But join me as we pray for the reading of God's word. Uh, Father God, we celebrate you, and we thank you for your word, which has been highlighted this morning and uh, how important it is. Lord, your word is truth. Your word is light. So we ask that you would shine your light in our hearts, in our minds, that we might see and that we might hear and so that we would obey. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles electronically or paper, we're starting at Luke chapter 14, verse 15. So this is midway through the meal. He's just said to the, the, the host, you know, invite the less fortunate. 
When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. So we're going to just pause right there. Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Blessed is the person, the one. So in an attempt to change the subject and ease the tension, this guest makes a statement which he assumes everyone can agree with. Like, there's going to be no disagreement about this. Everyone recognizes, yes, blessed is that person who's going to eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Can we all just agree on this? He says it almost like a throwaway statement. It's kind of like, hey, how about those bears? Boy, that did not go well last week. Oh, it could have been worse. It could have been the Packers. Woof. <laughs> I got to, like, insert that and... The man is talking about the heavenly feast, that great banquet that's going to take place after evil has been defeated and the kingdom of God has fully come on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, blessed is the person who's going to eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Blessed is the person who's going to be present at that great table, at that great banquet. Blessed is the person who one day will be in heaven. Let's talk about heaven so we don't have to talk about earth and what's going on right now. Let's talk about the future so we don't have to talk about the present. Let's change the subject because things are getting a little uncomfortable down here. Won't that be great? What this man sat, said as a, a weak attempt to change the subject is probably the greatest understatement in all of scripture. Blessed is the person who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. How unbelievably blessed, how incredibly happy, how remarkably good will it be for that person who finds themselves invited to the heavenly feast. The scripture talks about that and says we have this inheritance, this promise, as something that will never perish, never spoil, never fade. It cannot be taken away from you. If through Christ you have placed your, your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be at the feast in the kingdom of God. There is no greater gift. There is no greater blessing. In Christ, we will win the race. We will receive the prize. We will sit at God's heavenly table. And at that table, there's going to be no jockeying for position. There's going to be no anxiety over trying to gain honor or or at least trying not to lose honor. There's going to be no insecurity. There's going to be no judgment. At that table, there's going to be no scarcity. There's going to be no lack, no division. At that table, there's going to be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death. At that table, there will only be love. For all of eternity, love. So it is the understatement of understatements. How blessed is the person who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God? And so friends, I wonder, will you be coming to that feast? Will you be coming to that feast? Jesus wants to know. So the man says this, and then Jesus responds to the man with a parable. And he says this, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests. 
At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited, Come, everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. And then another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And then still another said, I just got married and so I can't come. So the invitations were sent out, RSVP, please respond, Cebu play. And there's people who said, we're going to come. But then when all things were ready, all the preparations had been made, they were a no-show. Instead, they sent their excuses. I bought a field and I must go see it. Really? You bought it without seeing it? Okay. I bought some oxen and now I need to go try them out. Really? Normally you try them out before you buy them. Or how about this one? I just got married. When you responded that you were going to come, didn't you see that the dates lined up with your wedding? Quit the charade and just admit that you don't want to come. So because this is a parable, we know that Jesus, there's broader meaning behind the parable. Jesus is speaking, remember the context, he's speaking to a room filled with Jewish leaders. These are the chosen people of God. These are the descendants of Abraham. These are the people who have been waiting for the Messiah, waiting for that day when, when things would all be ready. So the irony of the evening is seated right in front of them under their careful watch and scrutiny is the one whom they're waiting for. The Messiah, the man that they've been grilling, the man that they've been scrutinizing, it's the Savior they say that they're waiting for. And through Jesus, God has now opened a new door. Your presence is an open door, we sang. He's given his people a new covenant. Jesus would die once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? To bring us to God. All who call on his name will be saved. But these people that Jesus is in this room with, they're actually rejecting the one that they're waiting for. They're rejecting the Messiah. They're rejecting Jesus. And in rejecting Jesus, they're rejecting the invitation to the banquet, the invitation to the great feast. So friends, we need to make this personal. So I'll ask again, will you be coming to that feast? All the preparations, they've been made. There's nothing more that needs to be done. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus said. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and we will dine together. Will you be coming? Respond, s'il vous plaît. So back to the parable. Those who were invited found reasons not to come. Their excuses, were, their excuses were embarrassing. They're dishonoring to the host who had made all of these preparations for the banquet, who expected them to come. The servant came back and reported their excuses to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry, and he ordered the servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. You see, those who initially were invited, they're ungrateful. 
the banquet's an inconvenience. The banquet's interfering with the other things that, that, that are more important to them. They're not interested. They're not singing that song that we sometimes sing, no place, no ra no place I'd rather be than, than right here. They're not singing that song. I tell you, not one of these men, Jesus would go on to say, will be invited to get a taste of my banquet. The door that is open will be a closed door to them. Reject the invitation and the door closes. Will you be coming to the feast? What a mistake it is to think that that invitation doesn't have an expiration date. It does. How short-sighted it is to think that the door that's open today is going to be open tomorrow. How foolish to delay a day longer and not respond to this invitation. Blessed is the person who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And we might also say cursed is the person who won't eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Friends, your presence, our presence, it's desired. God desires our presence at that feast, but it's not required. It's desired, but it's not required. God desires a full house. And for every person that is ungrateful and unwilling and rejects that invitation, there are others who will not just be grateful, but they will be exceedingly grateful that they've been blessed to, to receive such an invitation. Who are those people? Well, the scripture, Jesus describes them as the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, those who we often refer to as the less fortunate. The less fortunate for them, this banquet, it's not an inconvenience. For them, this in invitation, it's not interfering with something else that's more important. For them, they see this invitation as nothing but pure grace, that they're invited to such an occasion as this. Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town. Bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done and there's still more room. I love those words. There's still room. They're such welcoming words, such hospitable words. Can you imagine if the words were, there's no more room, no vacancy, no more seats at the table, everyone, the, the house is full? Those are awful words. This, um, this summer, Karen and I celebrated our, our anniversary and we were in this high-rise hotel, and there was a, I don't know if it's an engineering problem, there was a problem with this hotel that, that we were like in the middle of the hotel, and so the elevator would go up to the top, and then it would work its way down, and every time it got to our floor, it was full. It's like, how, and you'd wait and wait, and the doors would open, and it'd be full. And sometimes those doors would open, and, and we'd look, and you'd say, clearly, if everyone like adjusted, we could get in there. And so sometimes they would open and you'd see the grimace on everyone's face. You are not welcome. There is no room. We are not moving. Uh, and then sometimes those doors would open and people would smile and they'd say, come on in. And the experience was so different. I can't tell you how, how welcoming and hospitable to see the doors open and see smiles. There's still room. God desires a full house until everyone whom he has chosen responds to the invitation to come, there's still going to be more room. 
There's room for you. There's a seat for you reserved at the table. Will you be coming to the feast? Or should your seat be given to somebody else? Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. And then the master told his servant, go further, go out to the, the roads and the country lanes and make them come in, compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Make them come in, compel them to come in, another translation says. I, I've been thinking this past week about that. Often the parable trips us up right at this point because as, as church members and church leaders, we get stuck here and we think, what can we possibly do to make them come in? Like we would love a full house. It says, go out and make them come in. How can I make them come in? And, and I was thinking about that this week. And I thought, you know what? It's the wrong question to get stuck on. It's the wrong place to get stuck in this parable. The point of the parable is not on make them come in, but rather on go. Three different times the master tells his servant, go, extend the invitation. It is too easy for us as church members and church leaders to sit in our meetings and lament, they're not coming. What can we do? They're not coming, they're not coming. And the more time we spend in our committee meetings talking about that and not going, we're missing the point. Go, go, go. Three times, the master tells the servant, they will come. Whom God has chosen, they will come. Go with urgency, go with zeal, they'll come. Those whom God has called will come. So far, this morning, I've stressed the question, will you be there? Are you coming to the feast? Will you accept the invitation? Not tomorrow, not a year from today. Now, the door that is open today may not be open tomorrow. So will you accept the invitation? I spoke this morning, uh, July 5th, 1986. It was the day that I, I heard the gospel what felt like for the first time i was raised in the church but but for for me that day god opened my eyes i said yes i i want to trust in jesus my lord and savior so for you maybe you have not had that that time in your life and so the question is for you today will you be coming to the feast will you accept the invitation or will there be a, a series of excuses as to why you're not coming now, I recognize that for many people, most people here today, you've accepted the invitation. You accepted the invitation maybe years ago, decades ago. And so the question then is different. How does this parable apply to you today? Well, the, the, Jesus is inviting us to consider the role of the servant. The church, we are the servant in the parable. We are the ones to whom God says, go. Go, go further, go with more urgency, go with more zeal. And so let me ask you, instead of are you coming to the feast, are you inviting anyone to come to the feast with you? Do you have somebody that, that you're praying for right now, somebody that, that you're laboring to, to build a relationship with, that you want to know, that you want to love, that you want to share the grace of Jesus Christ with? God desires a full house, and there's still room. There's room for that person. 
So I read something recently about this parable from a book, uh, Welcome to Dinner Church. And I wanted to share this with Consistory the other night, and I couldn't find the page. I found the page, and now everyone gets to, to receive the gift of this. Uh, the book, Welcome to Dinner Church, is written by a man named Verlin Foster. Uh, he was a pastor of a church in Seattle, a church like ours that had been uh, around for decades, almost 100 years. And for the last 10 years, they had seen their church just steadily declining, and, and they didn't want to close their doors, and so they started experimenting with different outreaches. And finally, uh, none of them working, they tried a dinner church, and they experienced tremendous growth. And, and he writes something in this book about this parable that we just read that I want to share with you. He writes, Jesus left behind some great instruction for any of his churches that are declining. He did this in the parable of the great feast found in Luke 14, 15 through 24. In this story, the king invited his nobles and honored rulers, but they refused to come because they, they were mad at him. I don't know where he gets that from the story. So he instructed his servants to go out and invite the subjects and the commoners. But when his banquet hall was still unfilled, he ordered his servants to invite the poor, the disenfranchised, even the homeless that lived along the hedgerows until the house was full. This is the part that jumped out at me. The point of the parable is so simple, most miss it. If your church is empty, drop down on the socioeconomic ladder and invite the poor and the broken until your ministry house is full. Restoring a declining church is actually quite a simple fix. Get your eyes on a new circle of people who know that they need help and start including them at your ministry tables. Sadly, most declining churches have never applied this parable to their ministry. Many churches are dying today because they do not feel sent to any lost circle of people. And if they did feel sent to a nearby lost neighborhood, they wouldn't know how to include them in the gospel. Recovering the early Christian mindset and their Jesus dinner table theology completely healed our church and gave us a far greater future than we ever had experienced in our past. And he concludes, I have a sense that this same healing is on the divine agenda for many other stalled churches across our land. Uh, you know that I've been really excited about what we're experimenting with on Wednesday nights, the table, because I, I sense the same thing. Uh, in, in a few weeks, we interact with more community members uh, at our, our Wednesday night community table than, than we may for years uh, in a traditional worship service. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not excited about what we're doing here this morning. But, but the question is, how, how are we going to invite the people who are, are far? How are we going to go out and, and share the gospel with them? And, and the dinner church is one of those ways. The last couple of weeks, we've been singing uh, a song, which is kind of our, our theme song for this series, Come to the Table, Chris Tomlin. And uh, the song begins with this, I will feast at the table of the Lord. I repeat several times, I'll feast at the table of the Lord. So, so we're celebrating that I'm going to be there. Someday I've, I've responded to the invitation. I'm going to be at that, that wonderful place. How blessed will it be to be at that table? But then it transitions to the chorus 
it transitions to this invitation because the place for us not to, to, to rest is, I'm going to be there, everything's good. No, that means now we have the role of the servant. And so it, then it transitions to the invitation. Come, all you who are weary, come. Come and find his yoke is easy, his burden light. He's able, he will restore at the table of the Lord. There's still room. And there are people living all around us who have not received the invitation. That's the reason we're here, that one more person might come to know the saving love of Jesus. Join me as we pray. Lord, um, we thank you that uh, any of us are invited to the table. We certainly don't deserve it, Lord. Uh, Lord, we only deserve judgment. Uh, that you have paid the ultimate price in dying for our sins. You've opened a door so that we might be with you. And Lord, uh, we thank you for this incredible gift. I do pray for anyone today that has not responded to their, that invitation, that they, they would feel compelled by your spirit to make this the day uh, of their salvation. And Lord, uh, we lift up our church. Lord, we desire to be used by you. We know you want a full house. And so, Lord, we ask that you would use us to go. And Lord, help us go further than we have gone. And Lord, help us be willing to, to reach out to, the, to those people that uh, know that they, they have needs. Lord, uh, not by our power, but, but through your power and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.